as everybody's kind of aware, the market isn't as great as it was a year ago. And as soon as things started to slow down, builders stopped buying. And so I didn't want to go out and continue purchasing lots if the builders weren't going to be there to buy them from me. So I'm actually pivoting to connecting landowners with solar or wind developers now. Let's get ready to scale. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of Ready to Scale. Today I have with me Kyle Bamboo. Kyle is the CEO of Bamboo Companies. He has been in the land acquisition business and is here today to talk to us about some very creative ways that he has been uh, fostering some relationships and connections through that. Uh, he originally started off as an investor in Phoenix area in Tempe and Scottsdale. Uh, he also owns a property in Chandler, Arizona. Um, in addition to that, he also has some investments with single family homes and uh, some smaller multifamily units as well. He graduated from Penn State with a bachelor's in aerospace engineering in just this just a few years ago in 2020. So Kyle, congratulations and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Jeanette. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. So one of the things that I love and that I noticed right off the bat when I happen to come across your information is, you know, you are candidly younger and you don't often see a, a lot of younger investors in the game. Um, increasingly, I'm starting to see a little bit more because of social media, I think, but I just think it's fantastic that you're starting to really get into the investment uh, game or strategies, if you will, wealth building strategies at such a young age. Where did that inspiration come from and how did you get started? Yeah, no, great question. Um, I would say from a very young age, I was very entrepreneurial. And in college, I thought maybe the best way that I could make money was if I went out and started some kind of business. And my senior year of college, right before I was about to graduate, I had two friends and I vividly remember them calling me over to the table in one of the dining halls. And I'm talking to them and they're saying, hey, I think you should look into real estate because there's a lot of money to be made here. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself at the time, there's no way I don't have $400,000 to go buy a house. You know, that's just not feasible. And luckily for me, over the next couple of weeks, they just kept bothering me. And eventually I looked into it. And coming from a very analytical background, being in engineering, very quickly I realized like the numbers worked. And it made sense to me that you can build a lot of wealth very quickly through real estate and in a very safe way without having to be super risky. Excellent. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Now I'm curious, are you also planning on putting your degree to use or are you actually going to focus on doing real estate investments full time? That's a great question. My parents would love to hear that too. <laughs> um, so I did actually graduate from Penn State with an aerospace degree and immediately started working for Honeywell, working on jet engines. But I, it, it just really wasn't the field for me. Engineering wasn't one of my passions or something that I was really that interested in. And immediately when I moved out here to Phoenix, I bought a house in Chandler, Arizona. It was a four bed, two bath house. And I made it into a six bed or it was a four bed, three bath house, made it into a six bed, three bath. And I house hacked that. So I live in one of the rooms and rent out the rest of the rooms. And it's 
by far the best investment that I've made so far. Excellent. Excellent. And I won't give you too hard of a time. Uh, you know, it's not uncommon at all to meet a lot of people in real estate investing mm -hmm. that all have degrees that have absolutely nothing to do with real estate investing. Uh, but it's more in line with their passions and their lifestyles and their goals. And so you're, you're not alone in this, Kyle. It's all right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I looked into your company, Bamboo Companies, and it looks really interesting. Uh, can you just kind of give us a broad overview of what it is that you're trying to do with your company? Yeah, so I started that company um, probably about a year and a half or so ago uh, at the time while I was still working for Honeywell. And with that company, what I wanted to do was go out, find land, and then go sell it to builders as quickly as possible. And so the way I started with that was I pulled a list from Property Radar, similar to PropStream, if you've heard of that before pulled a list, skip traced all the leads. And then I went out and I started text marketing as opposed to cold calls or mailers or anything like that. I felt like reaching the sellers faster was going to be a better strategy for me. And so I texted a bunch of potential sellers for land. And if I found a property that I thought was a, a solid investment, I would then go either purchase that for cash or I would just go get it under um, a purchase and sale agreement and then immediately go sell it to a builder. Um, and to sell it to a builder was kind of easy. You know, I just look up online, hey, builders in XYZ city and just hop on the phone and say, hey, I got a couple lots. Are you interested in buying? Wow. I was going to say you're making it sound easy. And then you said literally it was easy. Uh, yep. so I have to say, I'm kind of surprised by that. So very interesting. Uh, and now, uh, from my understanding, you've also decided to kind of expand that business model out a little bit. And you want to share with us what you're doing in that new kind of expansion? Yeah, sure. So more recently, I mean, as everybody's kind of aware, the market isn't as great as it was a year ago. And as soon as things started to slow down, builders stopped buying. And so I didn't want to go out and continue purchasing lots if the builders weren't going to be there to buy them from me. So I'm actually pivoting to connecting landowners with solar or wind developers now. And to do that, I am going to continue doing text marketing, but I'm also going to send out mailers. And I sent out a small batch as a trial just to see if anybody would be interested in leasing their land for solar or wind. And it does seem like there's a lot of interest, at least from the landowner side of things. And a way that I'm actually finding those leads is there's this software called Landgate. And Landgate actually allows you to see, you know, where you might have substations or where you might have transmission lines and gives you a lot of data into um, what energy companies are basically looking for. It's kind of like the energy Zillow, <laughs> so to speak. Very interesting. I've never heard about this before, uh, but of course, it's probably because I don't play in that space. Um, but I think it's great. So, you know, I think if we want to look at it kind of from a bigger picture, why have you decided to focus on, you know, the strategy of land as opposed to other assets? What are your, some advantages and what are some of the challenges that you're kind of coming into? Right. So at least on the buy and hold side, I still think that you know, houses and apartments is the way to go. And that's going to be part of like my main strategy moving forward. But in the meantime, while I'm trying to generate more capital, I think the land side of the business is great because 
especially when I was selling to builders, everybody was just buying things up like that. Um, everybody was hungry for the next deal. And I think land really provides a big opportunity to tap into a more niche market where there's still value and still money to be made um, without having to compete over all these uh, highly complex deals or, you know, even just like looking at single family. And right now, I'm sure for a lot of your listeners too, it might be hard to make deals pencil. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, uh, it is hard to make deals pencils right now. That's true. Um, I think it's great. So I like too that you touched on the fact that this is part of your overall bigger strategy at trying to really scale out your portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it, I would love to hear your perspective, especially about how you would debunk the idea or the myths that there's not a lot of younger people starting to create, um, you know, wealth for themselves through real estate invest investments. Uh, you know, what would you say, you know, are kind of some of the myths that you want to debunk about that? And then beyond that, what advice would you give to anyone that is younger and getting into the game and thinks that they can't, but indeed they can because you found a way so they can too? Right. I think a lot of it comes down to mindset. And a lot of people that I've talked to that are my age, I mean, the first big hurdle that they come up with is that they don't have the money to do this. And I think that's probably one of the biggest myths about real estate investing, um, especially with the types of mortgage programs that there are. So for my first property, I put 5% down on a property and I'm then renting by the room. And I mean, you can put as low as 3% down. So, I mean, if you're talking about a $400,000 property, that's $12,000. So you might have to work at a job for a little bit, <laughs> right? Save up that money. But once you have the money, I think younger people just need to have the right mindset and say, hey, this is possible. This is feasible. And I actually had two other friends recently that are about my age, 25 and 26, that one of them, she purchased her second property and the other one just purchased her first property. And it, I think it's totally doable. They both worked very hard to get to that point. And I mean, the strategies change a little bit, um, at least for me, for house hacking. You know, I had to find a way to add extra bedrooms. And I think that was a very easy strategy to say, hey, now I know that this deal is going to pencil. Whereas with maybe four rooms, it didn't. With six, I'm confident that it will. Nice. I love it. And then, of course, the show here is called Ready to Scale. So what is your what are your strategies that you're going to use to continue to scale out your portfolio? And what type of assets are you going to continue to target as you're doing that? So I think for scaling, um, one of the biggest things that I've realized is networking is absolutely huge. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be able to do all that I've done so far on my own. I'm constantly reaching out to mentors, reaching out to people that I've met and really asking a lot of questions and not really being afraid to go out and ask questions or, you know, just try to seek something out that you've never done before. Um, about two weeks ago, I sent a mailer to a property owner in Tempe, Arizona, right next to the university, ASU. And they own about two acres of developable land in downtown Tempe. And I actually had the son that manages the trust for those properties. He reached out to me with interest saying, hey, 
you're not like all these other people that have reached out to me that are just like huge hedge funds or big investment companies. I actually put in my letter, I'm like, hey, I'm 24 years old. I have I have some experience, but I have a lot of mentors, right? And he's like, that's why I gave you a call back because you're being genuine and you're reaching out. And, you know, I had no clue if he was going to respond in the first place, especially because I only sent one to this property owner. Um, but I think not being afraid to take risks and trying new things, you know, it, it does open the doors to more things. And you don't just have to get lucky. You can kind of create your own luck if you're constantly seeking new opportunity. Absolutely true. If you swing enough times, eventually you will connect, right? It's just a right. game. Yeah. Excellent. And, you know, along those lines too, a lot of people, it, it sounds easy. Okay. I'll send a text message. I'll send a mailer. I'll do this. I'll do that. Right. And then, you know, magically it'll work. And yeah, volume is part of it. But I love that you touched on the fact that what differentiated you from some competitors was that you were just very genuine and authentic in your approach. So do you have any other tips that you want to share with any of our listeners that are trying to also find kind of an edge in their marketing? Um, well, I do think the genuine approach does really work. And I think trying to actually build a connection with whoever it is that you're talking to. I mean, a lot of these people, if you cold call them, they're going to be very angry <laughs> when they're talking with you on the phone, right? And I think if you talk with them about that and say, hey, look, I know you're receiving a ton of phone calls, a ton of letters, a ton of texts, and tell them, hey, like, I want to work with you and I really want to get to know you. We might not even do something together, but, you know, let's just talk it through. Or maybe let's just go meet up for coffee. Um, I want to learn more from you. And I've actually done that before where I've reached out to owners where I was trying to buy their property or trying to you know, see if they would be open to selling and they're not, but they seemed very knowledgeable. And so I just asked them, Hey, let's go meet up and grab coffee. And there was another time recently within the last month or two where I did that. And I ended up meeting this guy that is like a crazy developer. <laughs> I mean, he's done projects in Tokyo, Australia, um, South Africa. I mean, you name it. He was talking like all over the world, whether he was a major partner in those projects, or he was just a consultant. And now I would say that he's going to be one of my, um, you know, stronger mentors going forward. I love it. I love it. I think uh, being bold, putting yourself out there, being authentic, that is, uh, that is the seeds and the very making of an entrepreneur. And it's uh, very necessary to find and create your own opportunities. I, I agree with you completely. And I think it's great you're doing that. Um, what, uh, what, I guess kind of, uh, what would you say has been something that's been a surprise to you along the way or kind of a painful little lesson that you've learned beneficial, but you know, kind of ouch. Uh, well, I did have a lot of lessons on the very first rental that I got in Chandler, Arizona, uh, day one, after I purchased the house, my AC died <laughs> and I knew that was going to be a risk going in. It was like a 20, 25 year old AC. But I never would have expected that it would have died the first day. And I think my mindset was, all right, you know, this kind of sucks, but I'm just going to take it as it is, move forward and, you know, just keep on going. And actually not even a week later, I had another huge lesson. I moved in three tenants into my house and then I flew back to Pennsylvania because I was going to drive my car down to Arizona. And I guess these tenants, they just were having a lot of parties 
well, I wasn't there, which is fine. I mean, I told him, hey, do whatever you guys want, you know, as long as everybody else is cool with it. Um, but I guess they they knew some not so <laughs> great people and some people weren't allowed into one of the parties they had. And actually, um, two people ended up getting shot on my property. Oh, they, no. They survived. <laughs> but that was very stressful, like one weekend and I'm. I'm back in Pennsylvania getting phone calls from the neighbor, from the police, from literally everybody. And I just, I had no clue what to do <laughs> except to call a lawyer. I'm like, all right, I need to get on the phone with somebody, right? <laughs> um, very stressful time, but it actually ended up working out and I got those people out of my house. But um, I didn't do background checks on them, which mm. going forward, I'm like, all right, I need to do credit and background checks, which everybody always says to do. And I thought, Hey, you know, if I meet these people in person, I'll be good to go. But, uh, nothing, nothing obviously beats doing an actual credit and background check. Wow. Um, that I had no idea that story was, you know, part <laughs> of the story. So I, I literally am as caught off guard as the listeners and yes, ouch, what a very painful lesson, man. I'm so sorry that you had to learn that right out the gate, but I guess better sooner than later. Um, it's right. definitely very important, yeah, to qualify uh, your tenants and to not just go off of, of gut. And I would actually say the same is true um, across every level of business, you know what I mean? Uh, with partnerships, um, when people are investing with sponsors, uh, when you're putting together co-GPs or JVs or any kind of agreement and deals, uh, it's a lesson that I also learned uh, earlier in my career when I had a startup company. Um, you know, you need to have things in writing. You need to do your due diligence. Um, the relationships can seem great, but you need to just always make sure that the uh, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. All right. Well, Kyle, that was very interesting. Uh, before we jump into the lightning round questions, uh, is there anything else that you would like to kind of conclude with as far as, you know, really encouraging, um, you know, anyone at any age, but especially kind of younger people, you know, to get aggressive, to get bold and to get into the game? Uh, yeah, I think young people should just be open to taking a little bit of risk. Um, being so young, you know, we're kind of insulated from issues down the road. A lot of us don't have families, don't have kids. You know, there's really not much going on except for whatever your nine to five job might be, if, if you even have one, right? And I think if you do have a job, you can still work on the weekends to build something else. You can still look at properties. I mean, every morning for myself, for the longest time, I was just hopping on Zillow, looking at what new came on the market. And, you know, maybe I would underwrite a deal or two here. And it would really only take 10, 15 minutes every morning. But I got very familiar with areas that were good to buy, areas that I knew, hey, like, this is going to be a good deal or this is going to be a bad deal. And yeah, I think young people should just not be afraid of taking that risk and just jump on in, try it, run your numbers. And if you keep doing that, eventually you're, you're going to make some deals work. Very good advice. And I think any age, very good advice, uh, wherever, whatever season someone's in. Right. Excellent. All right, good. And I'm curious, how long did you think about it before you actually did it? <laughs> um, from the moment that my friends started talking about getting into real estate investing my senior year of college, I would say it took me two months before I went out and I started trying to wholesale. 
and I wholesaled one house in Pennsylvania, made five grand, um, thought like this was the best thing ever. I'm like, I'm going to wholesale more. And I mean, it turns out wholesaling houses is very difficult. <laughs> I think a lot of people can, you know, get very good at it, but it does take a lot of time. You're on the phone and I'm, I'm kind of the person that I'll go out and execute on something very quickly. I like to execute quick, fail fast, and then pivot if I need to, to something else. All right. Very good. I'm glad to hear it. Um, you know, one of the things that I've heard from several guests, um, you know, throughout the, the years that we've had the podcast is a lot of guests always say they, that they wish they had started sooner. They wish they had started sooner. So I commend you for being quick to move. That's great. Yeah, thank right. you. Well, are you ready for our lightning round questions? Yeah, ready to go. All right. So, Kyle, aside of talking about real estate, what is an actual hobby that you have? Uh, I like to snowboard. So a lot of your listeners might be surprised to find out that there's a ski resort two hours north of Phoenix, Arizona in Flagstaff. And it's actually a pretty big mountain. So I have a ski pass there and I'm usually going there every other weekend or so. Nice. All right. Very good. Um, now, what is something that most people don't know about you? Ooh, something that most people don't know. Uh, I would say that I did gymnastics my junior and senior year of college. Nice. And <laughs> yeah, and I, I never actually had any gymnastics experience before. I literally just signed up my junior year, almost as a joke at first with my friends. And I went to one practice, couldn't even do a handstand. And I kind of thought, all right, like, this is it. I'm not cut out for it. But I decided to come back because I met one or two guys that were like pretty cool at club gymnastics. And I stuck with it, did it for two years. I went to nationals our junior year. Um, there was wow. a lot of face planning <laughs> into the ground. Um, at nationals, I did vault, which is where you, you like bounce off of a saddle. And yeah, I just slammed my face <laughs> right into the ground. It's pretty funny. There's a lot of videos of it, but I feel like gymnastics kind of taught me discipline at least because it was something very difficult and I had to devote a lot of time to it. Awesome. Awesome. I couldn't be uh, more impressed with that. A fun fact a lot of people don't know actually about me is I actually did gymnastics for years, uh, probably for about 10 years. So nice. uh, I could sing the praises of, of the mental you know, fortitude, the stamina, the discipline, uh, definitely having to face your fears and, <laughs> and go for bold things, face planning, getting back up again. Yeah, there's a lot of great lessons uh, that I learned through that sport. I'm definitely passionate about it and way too old to do it anymore. Bummer. <laughs> but, you know, I'm glad I did when I when I had the chance. It's definitely tough on your body. That's for sure. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Good. Well, now kind of shifting over to the intellectual side, uh, what would you say is a book that was either really inspirational to you or very useful to you that you would definitely recommend listeners check out? So I think my number one book, it's actually not real estate related, um, but I would say it's Atomic Habits by James <laughs> Clear and just a phenomenal book for setting goals or uh, setting habits that you want to develop. And I think the biggest paradigm shift from that book is that habits are really the thing that you want to target and not really the end goal. You should have the end goal in mind, but developing habits really helps you uh, create a process for your day and helps you get 1% better so that you can be, you know, multiple times over better at the end of the year. So definitely would highly recommend that book. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've read it also. I love it. I definitely recommend it too. All right, good. Um, now, one of the things that we talk about here at Blue Lake, because it's not all just about the money for anybody really in real estate, maybe for some people, but I mean, for the majority, I actually don't believe it is. It's mm -hmm. really about, you know, having to us, having an extraordinary life and being equipped and positioned to be able to really, you know, bring that to fruition. So what would you say is your advice for people that want to build an extraordinary life? Uh, yeah, for somebody that wants to build an extraordinary life, I think part of the path is finding a way that you can have freedom to do things that you want to do and have the time to do it. And for me, I knew that working a nine to five job wasn't going to help me build an extraordinary life. And I think for some people, you know, that is part of their life and a big portion of what they want to do for me. And for a lot of other people, I know that's not true. And I want freedom. I want the ability to go out there and say, Hey, you know, if I want to go be a janitor, I could go be a janitor <laughs> and not have to worry about income that I'm making. Um, or if I want to go take the day off, I can go do that without having to worry. You know, there's no one really to answer to at the end of the day. So I do think building an extraordinary life is about building processes or businesses or streams of income that allow you to have more freedom. Very good advice. Definitely. All right. Now, last but not least, if people want to get in touch with you, Kyle, how can they find you? Uh, yeah. I mean, if they want, they can text or call me. My phone number is 484-767-7331. Or you can just send me an email at kylebamboo at gmail.com. And it's B-A-M-B-U. All right. Great. Well, Kyle, thank you very much for being on the show today. I love your attitude. I love your story. And I am definitely rooting for you. I think you're going to go really good places. Yeah. Thank you, Jeanette. Yeah, definitely. And for those of you that tuned in today, thank you so much for continuing to listen and tune in with us. We definitely appreciate you. Please don't forget to like, rate, review the show, leave us some comments, let us know what more of whatever you would like to hear about. Um, or if you'd like to be on the show, be sure to visit our website at bluelake-capital.com and submit your information there. We appreciate you guys. And until next week, Keep being bold, keep being strong, and definitely keep moving forward. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.